Well, good morning again. Sunday morning, last Sunday of this month here in May, and we're about ready to step into June here very soon. So here we are on May 30th, and um, we're looking for the Lord to speak to our hearts as we wait upon him to minister to us. And he does. He ministers to us, and we have to sometimes just sit quietly and be still. And and in this busy world that we're in, we're rushing around quite a bit sometimes. But God finds a way to bring us to a still, quiet moment that we can truly reflect on him and think about him. I hope that you've had some time this past week to really just look at how God may have blessed you and how God has kept you. And um, I want you to understand that he really does want to bless us. We're his people. Those who name the name of Jesus Christ, we ought to be, as the songwriter has said, counting our blessings. And we'll find that we can't keep up. They're so numerous, so many of them. So um, we just want to thank him for them. So let's do that. And we're going to start into the message that faith and hope completes the blessing. And it really does. It really does. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your loving kindness unto us. And we thank you for ministering to us from day to day. And we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. For, Lord, we're blessed, and sometimes we don't even recognize that we are. But we want to thank you, Lord, that the blessings is the children's bread. And that, Lord, you continue to feed us daily with that, O God, that you desire for us to have. Continue to just rain down your blessings to those who walk in obedience to you and who are willing, Lord, to chase after your will in their life. And Father, we pray that we will understand it is the blessings of God that has given unto us those things that are far beyond our reach. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith and hope completes the blessing. It comes about through obedience. It's our obedience to our faith and to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ that completes the blessings that we enjoy from day to day. Obedience finds its foundation on faith and hope, those two pillars. On that rest, our obedience. We are obedient to our faith. We are obedient to that which we are hoping in, in the sure word of God. We're obedient to it, although we may not see that word have come to pass. But we are sure it's going to come to pass. Why? Because God has spoken it. God has said it. 
as some people would say, God has now placed it in my heart. And it's a sure word from God. And I know it's going to come to pass. Now I have to be the one who walked in obedience to that. That I might see the blessing that God has ordained for me or for whatever group that I'm working with. Because God blesses because of our faith and our hope that is in him. In which our obedience rests upon. In Romans 4.18, he's going to say something here about Abraham. And we're going to come back to Abraham even towards the end of this message because we want to uh, understand exactly what God did for Abraham. Abraham didn't see it, but God did do it. And we need to understand some of the things that God said to Abraham, Abraham was able to see it. He he. He was able to actually see some of the land that God had promised to him. All of it he didn't live in. But it was going to be for his children. And those who would follow. And those nations that would follow. And I want to clarify this. That we are the children in a sense of Abraham and the nations and the sands of the sea in a sense that God promised this numerous group and today Christianity is all over the world don't look at Christianity just being in America or an American thing it's a worldwide thing because of God and God has his people in every, every nation. And they are numerous. They are like the sands of the sea. Cannot be counted. And every day God is adding new individuals into his church, into this body of Christ into this promise that he promised Abraham that he would be a father of many nations and numerous children. And in one sense, we are the children also of Abraham. But in Romans 4.18, he says it in this fashion. Oh, let me get my eyes focused here. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Catch that. Against all hope, against all humanly hope. There was so much going against Abraham that it was not human hope here. It was a sure hope in the word of God. And he says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. 
He hadn't seen it because once you see something, you no longer really have to hope for it. Once certain things have taken place in your life, you no longer have to hope for those things. And this was Abraham's position. Yet, it says he believed. Abraham in hope. Not, he hadn't seen it, so he's still hoping for it. He's still believing for it. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offsprings be. We're his offsprings. Here in the United States, everyone who says they are truly born from above is the offspring of Abraham. All those around the world who say that they are born from above, they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They are, in one sense, the offsprings of Abraham. Abraham didn't see this, but he believed it. He believed it. And that's where you and I are. In our faith and hope, we have to believe God if we're going to be obedient to God and to carry out what God desires in our life. Those two pillars, in a sense, faith and hope, is what my obedience rests on that brings about the blessing at the end of the task. But it is faith and hope in between from time the task starts until the task is accomplished that allowed my obedience to be steadfast, unmovable, trusting God, a sure hope in what God has said that is going to come to pass. That allows me to stay obedient to that task until the end and see the blessing that God then produces from that obedience and that faith and hope that has been there in order for me to make that journey or perform that task and to see that blessing. Now, I want you to also understand that we are a people who had to be fully persuaded in what God's word is saying. Abraham had to be fully persuaded that what God was saying to him would come to pass, even though he may not see it. But to trust and believe God that it's going to come to pass. And though it may not come to pass in his lifetime, because it was God's word that was given to him. And he was an instrument. And he was a person being used 
as only a part of the puzzle. He wasn't the complete puzzle. He played one role, one part of the puzzle. But yet, he has the privilege one day to see what God started through him. The total blessing of what it has reaped upon humanity and how others have been blessed because he himself was obedient unto God and a faithful servant to God. And it says in verse 21 in that same chapter, in verse chapter 4 and verse 21 of Romans, he said, being fully persuaded. Let me ask you a question. Are you fully persuaded about God's word? Is God's word his word? Is God's word his promises? Is God's word sure? Is it going to come to pass? Is it going to be something that can be a foundation for you to stand on and put your faith in and your sure hope in that allows you to be obedient unto God? Being fully persuaded is important. You don't want to be wishy-washy about your faith. You don't want to be wishy-washy about what you're hoping in. You want a sure hope. And you want a faith that is steadfast. And you want to be able to have faith and a sure hope in what God is saying to you is going to come to pass. Because that's the only way you're going to be obedient. Whenever obedience fail, it's because we are not believing God. Whenever obedience break down, we have lost the sure hope of what God's word is saying. And we're not confident in it. You have to become fully persuaded that God is not a liar, that God speaks truth, and that you can trust him. And this is Abraham's position. Being fully persuaded that God had power. Do you believe God has power? See, God's word is only fulfilled by God through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power brings these blessings to us. And you and I have to understand that because of God's power, we receive from him those things that we have need of in order to perform and to do what he has asked us to do. And in that, you and I have to come to that place where we're willing to say, God has me. God is the one that's keeping me. And God is the one who will bless me. And we have to understand that, that everything does come from God. And that we receive nothing unless it comes from heaven. 
That's the truth. In John chapter 3, I want you to stay with me in, in, in Romans 8, so keep your finger there. In John 3 and 27, he says, To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. That's a very true statement. As a Christian, that's why a Christian is to never claim or to hold to that which he has. It's only been given to him as a loan. And that he is a steward of another person's property. We are a steward of God's property. Because all that we possess and all that we have truly belongs to God, not us. We have the privilege of using it right now. Praise God. And I hope you use it wisely. I hope you invest it wisely. I hope that you will make plans to leave it in good hands of those who will use it to further the kingdom of God. And he says, you yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am set ahead, but is sent ahead of him, John says. John was sent here to be a witness of Jesus. And therefore, John was able to truly say, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said I am not the Christ. I am who I am. I am a voice crying in the wilderness. I have only what God has given unto me. And everything that John had was what he had need of in order to perform his task. But a man cannot receive anything unless it really does come from God. And that's what John is explaining here. This is something that we're going to see in Abraham's life. All that Abraham received came from heaven or came from God to him, to be used of him. And to pass on from one generation to another generation to another generation. Now, again, he says, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. God promised Abraham a son, and many of us know that story. And even Sarah herself laughed, but the promise came true. And she bore a son for Abraham, Isaac. And God gave Abraham the land in which he dwelt. And God was keeping his promises to Abraham because he promised Abraham that he would make him the father of many nations. Now, we have to come to a point that we're going to be persuaded God's word is true. And I'm not going to draw back from that. And I know a lot of people today do not want to hear what the word of God says. But that's all that we have to stand upon. 
These are the promise of God that has been given to his people, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where we have to make a decision to stand. And in that stand, we are obedient, not so much to man or to church or to a pastor or to deacons and elders or some organization. We find ourselves being obedient to God. To God. Because God is the only one who can truly bless us and give us the things that we have need of from day to day. Now, are you fully persuaded? Because see, that's where Abraham was. He came to a place where he's fully persuaded about the promises that God had given unto him. Now, go over to Romans 5, 5. Listen again. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because it's a sure hope. I was just thinking about how long have I been walking with the Lord. And for 47 years, God has been more than faithful to me. All that I have has been given to me by the Lord. And and many times it's been at a discount price. I mean, God somehow has worked and worked things out that uh, we were able to pay for this or pay for that. Uh, we were able to do things, and, and yet salary is not a huge salary, but yet live in a manner that really shows forth God's blessings, that God has richly blessed my wife and I. And all we can do is say, thank you, Lord. There has not been any disappointment in our life in serving the Lord. He has allowed us to see three children through college. They're all doing well, serving him, believing in him, trusting him, working with people in different functions and what they do and sharing the love of Christ. And all of this comes from God. And the blessings in 47 years, I can't begin to count them. But there are so many. And God has been so good. And there has been no disappointment in him. I don't know how you have walked with the Lord for the time that you have walked with him. And maybe today will start your day, your journey with the Lord. I don't know. And the way you start that journey is the same way I had to start it. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Order my steps. Forgive me of my sin. We all start there. And then we start this journey. And as John says, boy, every gift cometh from above. And we learn that through the process of the journey that we're on, that God somehow 
blesses us, open doors for us, makes ways for us, give us favor with people. Uh, he provides in ways that we could never understand. He provides. And he says again in that verse 5, he says, And hope does not disappoint us. I want you to catch that. A sure hope in God's word is never disappointing. You haven't seen it yet, but you know it's coming. And because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, he, he gives us that down payment of the Holy Spirit in our life. That is somewhat the evidence of everything else that's going to take place later on. See, in Christianity, we have this person called the Holy Spirit who becomes part of our lives, who ministers to us, who speaks to us inwardly. And we have to learn how to listen and hear from the Holy Spirit as he speaks of those things from God to us. Boy, it's even difficult to try to even explain it, but it's true that the Holy Spirit ministers to us and because he does it, I have a hope, a sure hope in God on what he is saying, though I have not yet seen it. And it did not start with me, in a sense, or somebody else. It starts with the Holy Spirit speaking God's word and me reading God's word. And the Holy Spirit points to something and says, here's the task. Here's the work. Here's what we're going to do. And I forget sometimes we're co-laborers with God, but that's who we are. We are workers who are working with God. And he is the superintendent on the job. He is the contractor. He's the one who is directing. And he says again, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us, given us. He has given us. Now, he's given us the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And we're the ones that have to teach our ears to hear him. Because he's going to direct us through our faith and our hope, that sure hope that we have, in which our obedience is going to rest on. Go over to Romans 8, 24. Just kind of stay with me as we go through this. 8, 24. He says, For in this hope, for in this hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. I'm hoping to see Jesus. It's a sure hope. I don't know when my departure date is going to be, and most likely you don't know your departure date. But it's going to happen. And I'm hoping to see the one who gave his life for me 
and who is my salvation that I'm hoping to see him face to face and that's a sure hope why because Jesus lives he's out of the grave he sits at the right hand of the father making intercession for me scripture tells me he came and he died in obedience to the father and he became the atonement for me and he become my righteousness that one day I might be with him in heaven he is my sure hope for in this hope we are saved it's a sure salvation it's a hope I know I'm saved and it's sure because of what the work of Jesus Christ has done not what I have done but the work of Jesus and he says but hope that is seen is no hope at all I have not yet seen the finished work that God is doing in me but one day I will be complete one day it will be a blessing because I will see the blessed Savior and I'm going to see him face to face but the hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what he already has but if we hope for what we do not yet have we wait for it what patiently and that's what's happening in life right now waiting patiently for the call of the Lord that will say one day come up here and will no longer be here but will be absent from the body and present with the Lord boy that's a blessing that's a blessing that I know where I'm going I'm going to be with my Savior I'm going to go and live with Jesus that's a blessing that I know where I'm going the other day in my office a gentleman came in and uh, there was two uh, other men from our church in the office because we were uh, talking about some work that needed to be done around the church and but the gentleman came with this question or he made this statement uh, I'm worried about immortality I don't know and he told us his age and he said for some reason this has been on my mind immortality is it real well he kind of opened the door for me and I shared with him oh it's it it is real there's eternal life in Jesus Christ and if one believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and have accepted Christ they have eternal life immortality and you can have that by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ and he said to all of 
in the room. He says, I'm Jewish. And I said, that's okay. There are many Jews who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some of my friends are Jews who have accepted their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have eternal life through him. And we talked for a little bit, and then he, he finally told us he had to get to another appointment. But he opened that door to allow us to share with him of the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ in this thing called salvation or being saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. I have not seen heaven. I have not seen my risen Savior, but one day I will, who hopes for what he already has. I have salvation, but not a completed salvation, because I'm still here. And long as I'm here, I'm away from my eternal rest, my eternal home with Jesus. But one day I will be absent from the body, and I'll be present with the Lord. That old song is true. You can tell them, I'm going up yonder. To be with my Lord. Because that's where I'm going. I know where I'm going. And. But hope that is seen. Is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has. I don't have. The complete salvation. In one sense. That one day. I will have. It will be all over with. My tasks. All the work will be completed. For me here. And this is going to be a joyful time with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But until that time, I have a sure hope of where I'm going. I have a sure hope in who I believe in. I have a sure hope in that one called Jesus. Now, Again, I want to say to you, faith and hope helps us to realize the blessings the task is designed to produce. Our faith and our hope is that foundation for our obedience to complete the task that has been assigned to us that brings about the blessing that God wants to grant unto us. The task is designed to produce the blessing. Our endurance through faith and hope allows us to experience the blessing. Now, human hope, what is that? Human hope is, I hope it is in the mail. I'm hoping for this check to come. Hasn't come yet, but I'm hoping for it to come. I'm hoping for it to come. I'm wishing that it's going to get here. But the thing is, I don't know when. And I'm not sure if it's really going to get there. I'm hoping for something 
to really take place. I'm hoping for a raise. I might get it. I might not get it. It's not a sure thing. But I'm hoping for it. I'm wishing for it. Boy, I'd love to have it. But it's not sure that I'm going to get the raise. I'm going to get the position. I'm going to be able to do this or do that. But I am hoping for it. See, human hope is a desire. Human hope is that which we are wishing for. It might happen. It may not happen. It's uncertain. And what we have to understand is the difference here between human hope and biblical hope. Biblical hope is a solid, sure thing. You haven't seen it yet. But you know it's coming. You have the confidence it's coming. You know it's going to take place. Why? Because God said it. God said it. And he's not a liar. And that is the difference. The biblical hope is a solid, sure thing. It is certain. You can depend on it. There are no maybes in it. There's no human desire in it per se. It is the acceptance of God's will. Even though you haven't yet seen it, you know with a certainty it's going to take place. And you need to understand that it's going to take place because of God's word. Boy, the definition of biblical hope is this. Biblical hope is man's eager expectation of something that God has promised you. And you know because God has promised it will take place. God has promised or his promises will certainly happen in the future. Maybe not right now, but in the future it's going to take place. Why? Because it's God's word. Go with me to James 1 7. James 1 7. I want to give you one of the reasons why sometimes as Christians we miss out on a lot of things that God so desired to bless us with. Um, we go back and forth sometime between this human hope, wishing, and this biblical hope that is sure. Whenever we leave the biblical hope or that thing that is sure, we have left God's word. And now we're over here wishing. A lot of young women are wishing for a man who will love them, a man who will care for them, a man who would truly make them feel complete as a woman, if I can say it in that fashion, that they're hoping for that man. Rather than trusting God to bring that man and to trust God's word and 
looking for a man that they can truly live their life with. What am I talking about? Second Corinthians 6. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't say that you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're going to run after this guy who has no knowledge about the Lord Jesus Christ, don't care about the Lord Jesus Christ, have never committed his life to Jesus Christ. And the same thing goes for men about women. If you say you are a godly man, you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't run after ungodly women. Don't run after some woman who wants to show you all her body before you ever get married. Don't run after some woman who's willing to lay down with you just to try to hang on to you. Uh, really look for that person that God has ordained for you. Be patient. Wait for him. Keep hoping. A sure hope. If God wants you to marry a man or a woman, he's going to bring them into your life. I have to thank God for my wife because he really did bring Elaine into my life. And we've been married now for 55 years and I praise God for that. And it's been, from my perspective, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful marriage. I've enjoyed it. And I remember I bought her a little plaque. If I had it all over to do again, I'd do it with you. And that's the truth. If I had it to do it all over again, I wouldn't want nobody else but her. She's been so faithful, so good, so wonderful. I can't speak enough, but God is good. And what I want you to understand, though, is this manly hope is that thing that is saying maybe, maybe, it might happen, might happen. Biblical hope is the sure thing that's going to, it's going to take place. God's really going to bless. God's going to bring it about. I, I can't tell you exactly when, but God's going to do it. Okay. So in, in James, one of the things that causes us to stumble so much is in James 1.7. And he simply says it in this fashion. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Everything comes from heaven, but... Boy, if if I don't have this sure hope in Jesus Christ, if I don't have this sure hope in God's word, and I keep going from a biblical hope to a fleshly hope, maybe it might happen, it might not happen. I'm not really trusting God's word. And that's what Abraham had to do. He had to trust God's word. That's why Abraham says he was fully what? Persuaded. Fully persuaded. Now, we're going to see some of that in a couple of minutes. Abraham said, I'm fully persuaded that God is more than able. And we need to understand that. What keeps us from not receiving is this double-mindedness that causes us to be unstable. Because one time I'm believing God, next time I'm saying, it might happen. No, if God has somehow said it in his word, it's a sure hope. If God somehow has spoken to you and you really know it's God, only thing you got to do is have that expectation that it's going to come to pass. 
that you're going to believe God and you're looking for it to come to pass. And it will. But if you're back and forth, God says you receive nothing from him. Because you're not able to stand. And what God wants to see you do is stand. Stand. After you've done all else, just stand. Now, God's promises, they're all certain. I want you to go back with me. We're going to look back at Abraham for a few moments. Back in Genesis chapter 13. And I want you to see what God is going to bless Abraham with. Now, we need to understand sometime, for God to bless, we have to let some things go. To really trust God sometime, we have to get away from certain people. And they might be people that we really care about. But there comes a time that I have to really ask if I really want to see God's real blessing in my life, I have to be willing to part from some people. In Abraham and Lot, there was this separation because there was not enough land, as the scriptures would say, for their flocks. And their shepherds and herdmen were starting to argue with each other and so forth and fight. And Abraham's saying, this should not be between us, Lot. We should not wind up fighting. So he tells Lot, you go ahead and pick out whatever part of the land you want to be in. And uh, I'll go the other way. You go this way. And Lot looked and he picked out what he thought would be the best land. But it's amazing. Now, go into verse 11 with me in Genesis 13, because we're going to make a statement back to this verse, and I want you to catch hold of it. So in verse 11 it says, So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. Now, remind I want you to be reminded. He set out towards where? The east. Now, hold that in your mind. Don't drop that. Hang on to that. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abraham, to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, catch this, after Lot had did what? parted from. Sometimes God can't bless us. And we don't walk as we should walk in our faith and our hope in God until we have parted from some people. Some people can really be stumbling blocks to us. Some people can really cause us not to see God's will clearly in our life. People can hinder us from walking faithfully with God. And there's times we have to part ways. That doesn't mean I won't help them when they need help. That doesn't mean that I won't be there for them when I'm able to 
meet a need or whatever, but it puts a distance between us simply because they would be a hindrance to my faith. They would be a hindrance to my walk. They would be a hindrance to my blessings that God really wants to give to me or show me. So it says in that 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him. Now that's so important to catch. After. After Lot parted from him. He says now to Abram, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offsprings forever. Now, I want to point out the area of the east. Which way did Lot go? East. What is God promising to Abram? As far as his eyes can see eastward, it will be his. And the west. What Lot had chosen would eventually become who? Yeah, Abram's. And he says then in 15, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offsprings forever. I will make your offsprings like the dust of the earth. That's us today in a sense. We're the dust of the earth that has been made the offsprings of Abraham. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offsprings could be counted. Impossible. We know that there are Christians everywhere. The number is what we don't know. But do you see God at work in Abraham's life? Abraham could not foresee what God is promising him here. And he didn't have it right then. But it was something he could hope for. For who? For those who will follow by faith in believing God. And God is making him great. God is building this man called Abraham. Now, once you go to Genesis 24 with me, and we're going to see something else that God is doing in Abraham's life. Because Isaac now is of marriage age and and Abraham wants him to have a wife from his own family and he's going to send a servant back to his hometown to where he was raised and brought up and he's going to ask him to find a wife for his son. Now here comes faith and hope. His obedience also unto God. Because he knows his son will carry on the covenant in a sense. That has started with who? With him. With Abram. And what I want you to hear is this servant. And I want you to hear Abraham. 
what I want you to hear in Abraham is his faith and his sure hope in God. And how God will bless him. I want you to hear how Abraham, in one sense, releases the servant in order that the servant himself might discover the power of his God. And I want you to hear the servant's doubt and how the servant questioned if this is not possible would he be released in a sense from the task that he has been given there is so much in this little section from verse 34 to 46 that is so important for us to grasp so in verse 34 he says so he said I am Abraham's servant as he is speaking to those in Abraham's home. I am Abraham's servant. Now catch the very next thing that this servant says. The Lord has blessed my master. My Lord has blessed my master. When you are blessed by God, other people will see it. They'll take note of it. And this man has also concluded whatever it is that Abraham has and all the wealth that Abraham has, he may not know how exactly Abraham came about receiving all this wealth, but he is certain of one thing. Abraham didn't do it, but his God did it. And he says in 35, the Lord has blessed my master. How? Abundantly. Abundantly. And how does Jesus Christ describe the type of life he wants us to live in John 10? An abundant life. An abundant life. And he goes on here and he continues and he says abundantly. And he has become wealthy. Abraham become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, men servant, maid servants, and camels and donkeys. Boy, God has given Abraham all this, and this servant of Abraham is now given testimony of what he knows about Abraham and Abraham's God. And how God has richly blessed Abraham. Now, come along with me. 36. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son. Is that part of the promise? Has borne him a son in her old age. And he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, you must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but go to my father's family and to my own clan. So Isaac winds up marrying a cousin, one of Abraham's brother's daughters. 
And he says, but go to my father's family, to my own clan, and get a wife for my son. How do you just go get a wife? <laughs> but God is in this. Stay, stay with me a moment. Then I asked my master, what if the woman will not come back with me? Here's the doubt part. I'm not sure if I can perform this task because somebody else has to be committed also. That's where God's favor come in. That's where God's work come in. But humanly speaking, we come up with these doubts and these fears and we come up and we say the negative thing. Uh, but what happened if she says she won't come with me? Then what do I do? Now, I want you to hear how Abraham removes that fear from his servant. In order for his servant to carry out the task. That I believe at this point, this is what God wants done. Listen now. In verse 40, he replied, The Lord before whom I have walked. Oh, I love that verse. If you haven't got that underlined, underlined it. Abraham replied, The Lord before whom I have walked. All these years now, I have walked faithfully with God and I have seen what God has done. How he has blessed me. How he gave me a son. How he has given me wealth. How he's given me favor. As I have walked with God. Catch that. There is the pillars now of faith and a sure hope. That obedience rests upon. That you can perform and live and walk a life that is pleasing before God. And Abraham, I have walked. The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angels. See the confidence he has in God? Will send his angels with you. Imagine the man saying, where are they? I don't see nothing. But Abraham is saying, God's going to send his angels with you. The only way he can say that is God himself has also spoken to Abraham. I don't think Abraham just conjured that up in his mind. But somehow God has not interacted with Abraham and said, I'm going to send my angels with your servant in order to pick out the right young lady. He replied, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angels with you. And make your journey a success. Who's going to make it a success? God is. Not the slave. Not Abraham. But God will make it a success. Who makes your life a success? I hope you can conclude and say, God does. That's the only person I can say that has made my life successful. God. In marriage, in fatherhood, in manhood, pastoring, only God. 
has made this life anywhere near if you say I'm successful or if I were to even say I'm successful only God can receive the praise for that and Abraham says you're going to send his angels with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son for my own clan and from my father's family then when you go to my clan you will be released from my oath even if they refuse to give her to you you will be released from my oath so you just have to show up there at the family you have to get yourself in position of where you're supposed to be and you have to just let them know your intentions and your purpose for being there and let God do the rest boy that's amazing and the servant does that but again I want you to see how God's working in order to bless Abraham but I want you to catch what Abraham said the Lord in whom I have walked before the Lord in whom I have served the Lord who in whom I've been loyal and faithful to he will make it a success if you walk uprightly with God God will not withhold any good thing from you that you have need of God will bless you based on your walk your faithfulness your sure hope in his word and his promises let's go a little further when I came to the spring today I said oh Lord who, who is saying this now the servant of Abraham he is now going to pray to Abraham's God he's going to experience for himself the power of God keeping his word remember Abraham told him my God's going to send his angels with you to make this a successful task and in 42 said when I came to the spring today I said O Lord God of my master God of who my master not my God but the God of my master Abraham if you will please grant success what did Abraham says he would do that he would make his journey success what is he asking now Abraham's God to do to grant success to the journey on which I have come see I am standing beside this spring if a maiden comes out to draw water and say to her please let me drink a little water from your jar and if she says to me drink I'll draw water for your camels too not only will she give him a drink but she's going to now voluntarily draw water for his camels drink and I'll draw water for your camels too let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son and he's basically saying God point her out to me if she does this this or this point her out to me 
that I can know that this is your choice. And 45 says, before I finished praying, my, my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, drink. And I'll water your camels too. Not only was she willing to give him a drink and quench his thirst, but she was willing to draw the water and allow his camels to drink, which was part of his prayer to be able to identify the woman that God then has chosen to be Isaac's wife. Abraham said, who would make your journey successful? God will. Now catch this. The servant prays to Abraham's God, asking that he would make his journey successful. And what does God do? He answers it. What did that do in the life and in the heart of that servant? Boy. To see God answer his prayer exactly the way he prayed it. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will water your camels too. So I drunk, and she watered the camels also. I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethel son of Nabal, who Micah bore to him. Now, she is Abraham's brother's daughter. And now what Abraham has asked for, someone from his family to become the wife of Isaac, God has granted the servant is assigned the task and he asks God to make it successful and God does. Not only does God bless Abraham with his request, but he also blesses the servant and the servant is able to see God perform and do in a manner that he would never have seen if he would not have accepted the task, if he would not have been obedient to Abraham's request. But in doing so, he was able to see the blessing of God. Who do you believe? What is the truth that you believe? Is it written? Or is it just something you just conjured up in your own mind? I want you to understand what you believe is what you will speak. And we don't have time to go into it. 
but have you ever thought about listening to yourself? We do talk to ourselves, don't we? We do say things to ourselves. But how do we know if they're true or not? And I like what Abraham says. The God that he has walked before, he will bring about success. It was a sure thing. And Abraham was persuaded that God would answer his request and his prayer. Are you sure? Are you persuaded? Are you looking for the blessings of God to be bestowed in your life? The blessing is completed through your faith and hope. When the blessing takes place and it is completed, you will speak about it because it's the work of God and not of man. And others will know about it because they'll be able to see how God has richly blessed you. I pray that this has been a blessed series for you in this area of being blessed. It has for me and has opened my eyes to some things. And I pray that you would want God to bless you richly. And that you would be looking with expectations of God blessing you. Because of your faith, your sure hope in him, and your obedience in this journey that you're on. Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that you truly are the God who blesses your people. You are the God who gives us wealth. You are the God, O Lord, who ministers to us and gives us peace in a world that is upside down and troubled in many ways. You're the God who establishes our going out and our coming in. You're the God who allows us to be a blessing to our families, to our co-workers, to our neighbors, and to all those, Lord, who might wait upon us or we wait upon them. Lord, you're the one who allows the blessings to flow through us. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to do so. That you would bless us and that we would recognize that every good and perfect gift cometh from above. And we would use it in such a fashion that it would further the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, minister to us in this very day, I pray. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And I just pray that you will just continue to just listen in on us. And it's a privilege to be able to share with you. So God bless you. God keep you. Until next time. Bye-bye.